Welcome to Closers Over Coffee. I'm your host, Tommy Jacobs. We're podcasting worldwide from WPWK Studios at the Clips headquarters in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Today I'm actually broadcasting uh, live from Naples, Florida. Uh, But we got Matt Summers holding down the uh, PWK Studios uh, back in Indianapolis for us. So, Matt, I appreciate you uh, helping us out there and being there for us. The purpose and goal of the podcast is to create an open dialogue with professionals and leaders from all walks of life. This could be CEOs, business leaders, sports professionals, friends, and some individuals we'll meet for the first time together. This is episode number four. Before we get to our guest, I am going to talk about the segment that is uh, on my mind. And today, uh, what's on my mind is happiness. I'm actually really happy. It's uh, I took uh, a little bit of time off, enjoyed the holidays. Uh, spent time with the family. Uh, now we're we're in the in the whole heat of rebudgeting and budgeting for the new year. Uh, um, and uh, you know having those conversations and those meetings and uh, you know it's always fun to start thinking about what the new year is going to be and what what we're going to build and and what we're going to do together uh, as a company. And then uh, on the personal side, you know some some goals we put together like what we'd like to accomplish in 2021. So. That's what is on my mind, what I've been working on, what I've been thinking about, and uh, definitely brings a lot of happiness and inspiration and excitement, and I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to a great 2021. Um, and with that, I'd like to get to uh, our guest today. Uh, joining me today uh, is Max Homa. Uh, Max uh, has got a, a amazing resume, if you look at it. He's, he's a PGA Tour professional golfer. Uh, he went to college at, uh, at UC. He was uh, he went to California, uh, Berkeley. He won the 2013 NCAA Division One Men's Golf Championship. He also won the 2019 Wells Fargo Championship in the PGA Tour. Uh, just a just an up and coming star on the tour. Uh, and and really, what's interesting about Max is he is has got an amazing podcast. Uh, he's He's really uh, just 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 created an awesome podcast, uh, and and he's very active, uh, and it's uh, just a a pleasure. and And I want to welcome and thank you for being on, Max Homa. Thanks, Max. Yeah, thanks, Tommy. It's good to be on. You know, Max, we're we're you know again. I've I've told you, and I'll tell you again. It's it's been a crazy year this last year, and even starting this new year, and. And lots of things going on, both you know, with politics and with with the COVID, and and just with with just so much, you know, I want to call it negativity. I don't know another word for it. Uh, you know, I just you know, this podcast is for me is about to bring some positivity and some opportunity, and and to shed some light on you know you, you've been successful and and what you're doing, and and uh, I think that. Through all of this, has probably been tough for you because you're probably used to, to big crowds and and to a pretty strong schedule. And uh, you know, if you don't mind starting, I mean, talk to us about what this change has meant for for you and and all the PGA Tour golfers out there. Yeah, it's definitely been different. Um, you know, all the PGA Tour events have such a great buzz buzz to them. Uh, we came back for our first one uh, after quarantine uh, at the Colonial. And uh, it was odd, you know, no one really out there. 
not a lot of excitement. Uh, you kind of had to make the excitement in your own head uh, and remember what you're playing for because uh, there was no crowd there to kind of push you along. We got used to it quick, uh, but I would say it's just been a bummer uh, knowing how many golf fans are out there that would like to be there, especially, you know, we only go to their city once a year. I used to go to the event in Los Angeles uh, at Riviera Country Club, and I remember how excited I was every year to go attend and see, you know, some of my golfing heroes there. So it stinks uh, to know how many people are missing out on that. But at the same time, obviously, I'm, I'm happy that we can at least be able to provide some form of entertainment uh, on TV. I'm, I'm very lucky that I get to keep competing and, and doing what I love. But it's definitely been weird, uh, something that we've all had to adapt to. Um, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse. Uh, we're all just, like I said, very fortunate to be able to still play the game of golf. Um, and to compete at a high level, even if there aren't uh, big crowds and all the fans there. So you went, you went to the University of California, Berkeley, and then, you know, you, you were very successful there, uh, golf career, you know, school, everything. Talk to me about kind of from, from, from what happened to there, what was the transition? How did, how did getting to the tour work? Talk to us about like what happened and, and, and how you made it. Yeah. I, uh, I had a great senior year, uh, turn pro after the end of the summer. Um, my first event, uh, I got a sponsor's exemption into the fries.com open. Uh, I played great. I got ninth, um, played well at the next one, got 30th, uh, went to Q school, uh, to get onto the web.com tour at the time, uh, played well, got my card was straight onto the PJ tour. It was smooth sailing. And then, uh, I just think, uh, I don't know if the lights got too bright, but uh, I got in my head a little bit. I started looking around a little too much. It became more of a, uh, I was playing kind of ping pong. I was going back and forth between the main tour and and the the web.com tour. Um, So uh, it was kind of an interesting learning curve. I never, I never was somebody who uh, seemed to learn quickly. It always takes me a little bit to feel comfortable for whatever reason, every time I made it to the web.com tour, I felt quite comfortable, uh, in my own skin and I make the PJ tour. And like I said, I'd look around a little too much and, and worry about what other people were doing and not so much the things that I was doing well. Uh, so this was kind of nice looking back on it, uh, that I, that I had those, I guess, trials and tribulations because they kind of made me grow up as a golfer and as a person, uh, made me appreciate what I do a lot more. Um, so obviously everything in life, you know, it's, it's, there's like a, a popular saying or quote about it. Uh, you can only fail if you don't learn, uh, from your mistakes. So I feel like I've learned a lot. I'm still learning, uh, but it was a bumpy road for a little bit, but the last three years or so have been good. Uh, I've started to feel much more comfortable and, and much more at ease when I'm playing. I feel like I'm back to doing what I do uh, well. Um, I feel like I'm thinking well again. So I've been, I'm very excited for the future. I feel like uh, the worst is behind me and I, I'm looking I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm stoked for how my game is progressing, but I'm, I'm more excited for where my mind has gotten to and, and how, how confident and, and comfortable I'm starting to feel uh, on the biggest stage. Speaking of the biggest stage, I mean, you won a big tournament. I mean, talk to me about the feelings you had going in that fourth round of the Wells Fargo and and coming away with the with the victory. Talk to me about your emotions through that. Yeah, it was it was a crazy week. You know, I played with Rory McIlroy on Saturday in the second to last group. It was the most people I've ever played in front of. It was the most uh, most nerve wracking uh, day I've probably ever had on a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And it was his birthday. So people were singing to him the entire day. I felt very, <laughs> very, very small. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, that's what's kind of settled me in. And as my caddy, Joe, who's one of my closest friends from when we were young, told me going into uh, uh, after we were done, going into Sunday, he said, you know, I, he was pretty sure, uh, as he mentioned, that it was either going to be the best thing for me or the worst and end up being the best. Because by the time I showed up Sunday morning, in the final final group, I, I was not nearly as nervous on Sunday for whatever reason. I felt like I, I really held my own with one of the best players in the world and one of the best players of our generation. And I started to sure. feel that kind of swagger again that I had a bit more of in college. And I came out that Sunday super calm. I've always been somebody who, when I'm in the thick of it, I feel quite comfortable because I, I've, I've proven to myself that I should be confident I'm playing well. Um, I do believe that my good golf is you know, up there with most everybody else's good golf. I don't feel like I, I have to do anything special to uh, sure. compete when I'm playing well. I just need to play well a little bit more often. So it was a, it was a cool week, but coming down the stretch, you know, I, I ended up having a pretty good size lead with four holes to go. Um, the last three holes at Quail Hollow um, at, at the golf course at Quail Hollow are really difficult. And I felt like, you know, I did what I needed to do. Um, getting to walk up 18 knowing I was going to win, uh, was special. Um, again, like I said, doing it with a buddy, uh, as my, as my partner was even cooler. Uh, I felt like he was kind of with me. Um, he didn't caddy for me for all the years of the troubles, but he was there for pieces of it. And I felt like it was, uh, it was just the same for both of us to be able to like climb up the ranks and, and learn how to win and how to, how to compete. And he was a huge part of that. So to be able to do that with a buddy is super special, uh, and yet doing it there was big too, because I've always liked the event. It gets a huge turnout, gets great players, uh, to come out on top. There was, uh, it's something I'm obviously never going to forget, but it's also something I think about quite often as, as a, a reminder that, like I said before, my good golf is, is pretty good. So, um, you know, it's not like I, it didn't feel like a fluke to me personally. Sure. I felt like I really earned it. And I think that's, you know, that's the stuff you hang your hat on at the end of the day. Well, that's awesome that you got such a, a good friend along for the ride, man. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Is he is is he go with you? I mean, is he practicing? Are you guys spend a lot of time together? I mean, how does that work? How's he that must relationship be a work? Because he he just moved out to Arizona. He was living in California. <laughs> he moved out by me, so now he has to come here and there. No, we don't. We play a lot of golf together, um, especially now that he lives out here. I used to visit him, or he'd visit me. Uh, but no, he wouldn't practice too much. We will on occasion. He'll help me out, you know, if I need, you know, somebody to like look at something or or just bounce ideas off of. We talk all the time, but we typically just compete against each other and then we can talk after and we keep it pretty light, him and I, when we're home. Uh, when we're on the road, it's nice, though, to be able to play with him at home because we're on the road. He's seen what it looks like at home. So he has a, a, a good understanding of what could maybe look different or if I feel it, if he feels like I'm, you know, kind of speeding things up or or kind of being out of sorts, you can kind of piece that together, but he's very knowledgeable. He's a really good golfer uh, himself. So uh, he's, it's just been a, of all the things that have happened in, in my golfing career, he's been the kind of shining light and, and something that has helped me the most because it's a grind traveling, you know, some 30 some odd weeks a year, but, and, and you have some lows, even in the best players have lows each year. Look at Dustin Johnson this year, had a two or three week stretch where, you know, he, he looked quite bad, honestly. And obviously now he's the best player in the entire world. So uh, sure. you're going to have those dips, but you want to be able to have somebody with you by your side that um, keeps it light, keeps it fun, keeps it fresh. That's what he does for me. Um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's just I, I've never I, I've always looked at the player caddy relationship as a team uh, as as a team type thing, like not sure. not a employee employer type thing. So. Uh, I feel like we do a really good job of that. I appreciate the input he gives me. I think he appreciates the input I give back. So we work really well together. And like I said, he's a very, very good golfer. So I trust when he says something, um, you know, I feel like he is really knowledgeable, which as you would know, is is important when you're working with people. You want to trust them. You want to know that they have the credentials and, and the resume to back up what they're saying uh, so you can believe in it. And uh, I believe in what he says. And he hasn't steered me wrong yet. So <laughs> we uh, we're doing all right. It's funny you said that. I mean, I think a lot of people think, you know, you're you're a professional golfer and, you know, it's a maybe a glamorous life or a, a, this and that. But it's truly a business. I mean, you made the comment of employees, et cetera. Um, talk to us about, you know, that you're building your brand and, and, and you got to build sponsorships and all that. And as a young player, uh, how, how are you doing that? How, how What kind of time are you spending on building that? And and uh, are, are you enjoying the business side of of the, the golfer business? Um, I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed the business side more than the golf side. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I am better at the golf. Uh, but I, I feel like, I don't know, for me, it's been really cool building a, uh, a following and I guess a brand, as you said, uh, by just being myself. I, I truly just try to say what I feel. I try to I try to be me at all times. And I feel like I've attracted great people around me because of that. Um, I also know the people who I don't need to be around. Um, and I think that's been cool. Um, you know, when you first start playing golf, even when you first turn pro, you're not really thinking of it as, as a business. Um, and then it starts to become that I look at somebody like a Ricky Fowler, who's one of my favorite people to look up to. And he's done such a great job of branding himself as, you know, first and foremost, a, a great, a great person, but also someone that you would want to hang out with and talk to someone that, uh, again, seems to attract companies and, and attract fans that uh, appreciate what he does for the game uh, and who he is as, as a guy. So uh, I, just, I just try to be myself and let it come. I guess if if I were to try to contrive that, um, it would be hard to be, you know, it would be impossible to be genuine. And I think that's when you start to fall into uh, a position where maybe you are attracting groups or businesses or people that you don't really see eye to eye with. And I think that's quite easy these days, especially with social media to see right through and, and, and understand that that's not who that person is. So I try to, I try to make sure that I am uh, being true to myself and, and, you know, in turn true to whoever I, I decide to partner up with um, in business. And I, I, that, that's the joy I find in the business side is, is, finding companies or, or meeting with people from companies that I, I appreciate what they do. I appreciate their work ethic and, and their, their trains of thought. Um, that's, that's enjoyable for me. The, like I said, my, my, my brain functions mostly off uh, pars, birdies and bogeys. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little more difficult to me to get too deep, too, uh, too much deeper than that. But um, sure. I've, I've been lucky so far. I haven't had too many or any really bad, uh, bad run-ins. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting what you've done compared to some of the different uh, golfers out there. I mean, you have uh, an amazing podcast. You have, I mean, nearly 50 episodes. You. you have, you know, uh, and I think that it's interesting as I've gotten into this and, you know, very new to it. I, I told you that. Um, what what kind of got you to want to get into this uh, podcast and then 
you know, also, I mean, you're great at it. What advice do you have for someone that's trying to get into what I would say, you know, this whole podcast, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty big now. It's huge. I mean, I, I would rather listen to podcasts on the radio or anything else at this point. And I think it'd be interesting to hear some of your advice. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Uh, I mean, you, you obviously are doing well. I've listened to your podcast. I've uh, been keeping up with it. Uh, it's obviously become a very popular thing to do uh, in the last five or so years. Um, I have been approached a couple of times uh, prior to, to doing my podcast with Shane Bacon, uh, the Get a Grip podcast. And um, I didn't really, I'd always been intrigued by the idea, but every time it was presented, I just thought to myself, I don't want to talk about my colleagues uh, and, and my, uh, and my friends, I don't want people to think that I'm out on the golf course, you know, looking for things to talk about. Um, and that's how it always kind of felt like it was going to be shaped. Um, but I guess it goes back to what we just talked about with relationships. I met Shane Bacon, who, uh, you know, became, I guess his most, most popular for, uh, his work at Fox, uh, doing all the golf stuff for the USGA events. And he, sure. he lives, or he, I guess he just moved, but he lived out here by, by me. And when I moved here, we became good friends and he brought up the idea of podcasts. I told him, Hey, you know, I've had this presented. I, I just don't think it's right for me. Um, I'd like to do it, but I don't want to talk about X, Y, and Z. And he, uh, being a, he's a, he's not only a professional at what he does, but he, he became a good friend of mine. He said, listen, he's like, we're never going to talk about something you don't want to talk about. If it becomes too much, we won't need to. And I just, I, I really trusted it that he was genuine there. So I said, okay, we could, we could, you know, do it. I said, it can't take too much time away from what I'm doing, just like it should take too much time away from what he's doing. Um, and it just ended up working out. He does, he's, he, it helps. I'll give this piece of advice. It helps when the person you're co-hosting with is uh, a lot better at the hosting than you are. It makes you look <laughs> a lot better. He does a lot of the legwork. Um, it, it feels like for me, I just get on and talk. Uh, and he makes it, he makes that happen. Um, you know, I'll help with ideas here and there, but he's a, such a clever dude and he really seems to have a knack for, for speaking and, and thinking, um, and putting all that uh, out there for people to understand, I think exactly where he's trying to come from. And it's been fun, uh, especially during the the quarantine, uh, when there was no sports and no golf to talk about, uh, that was the most fun for me because we had to be really creative and it was fun to do that alongside him. So my advice though, is again, it just goes back to being yourself. It, you shouldn't like, like you've done with your podcast, you're a positive guy. You want to, you want to spread positivity, but that's not contrived. That's, that's what you believe in. Uh, and people can hear that with what you, with, with how you, uh, articulate that. So for us, I feel like we are genuinely sports and golf fans and we want people to understand that side of golf. So if someone were to get into, a, into this podcast space, whatever the topic is, I feel like you should have, you know, a legitimate, genuine passion for it because, you know, we, we enjoy getting to let people in on uh, the nuances of golf, uh, the nuances of broadcasting, um, all the ins and outs of it. Uh, while also trying to, we, we like to keep things light. So that's just who we are. Um, you know, some, I listen to podcasts that aren't as light and that's fine. As long as that's, you know, what, what those people kind of, uh, genuinely like to do. Um, but you know, we, I've been lucky, like I said, it's been, it's been fun. It's been easy. Uh, and it's been cool to, to connect with people that you wouldn't have without the podcast, without a voice, you know, people have, latched on to our ideas and our thoughts. And as I play, when there are fans, you hear a lot of people yelling about the pod, about ideas we've had, whether they're smart, dumb or otherwise. And it's cool. You know, it's a, we're, we're, we're just trying to be another voice for the game of golf. 
Yeah, man, I think you guys are doing a great job. And you're, I'll tell you what, you're exactly right. I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to be the voice of, of this uh, podcast, but without Matt Summers and, and Andrew Griswold and Brittany Kelly and, and Jill Eskel and Ashley Cartwright, if I didn't have this team of people helping me make this happen, I, it would be nothing. So uh, you're right, having the right people that's, that I say is doing all the work. I'm just kind of the voice of this, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, it, it's awesome, man. It's, it really is. And you're right. It's the, who you surround yourself with in the end, right? I mean, that's, um, that's important. Uh, so talking about the podcast, talking about your act, you're very active on Twitter. I want to know, you know, people like to send you golf swing videos and, and then, and, and, you know, and then they, there's players asking you to roast them. I, I want to know how, how, uh, how you enjoy that, uh, social media interaction and what you think of that. Cause I, I don't know what I would think of that. Yeah, I social media is dangerous uh, in many, many ways. I think to myself all the time, if social media weren't around, I feel like a lot of people would be a lot happier. It gives a lot of people maybe too much of a voice or or they use it in a way that's maybe a little more derogatory. I know what I do is is not exactly um, uh, the nicest thing, but the, the whole point of why I do it is because people ask me to do it. So I wouldn't just I wouldn't just, you know, let's say make fun of somebody's golf swing if they weren't asking me to. Um, so I guess that's the <laughs> point. You know, we, I try to keep things light. I feel like people people should like to laugh. You know, people people enjoy the the laughter, the banter. Um, golf is kind of a sport where uh, since I was a kid, everyone's always, you know, the 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 clubhouse after everybody would be making fun of each other, but in a fun way, not crossing any lines, just trying to be light with it. Golf's a hard, hard game. Even the best players in the world have had some really awful moments with their own golf swings. So I've, I've been fortunate to, to not step on, you know, too many toes doing it. Um, but yeah, people seem to love it. I, again, I, I just want to make people laugh and pay, make people happy. So if that's what makes people happy, I'll do it. Um, but again, it's been a cool way to connect, connect with the fans of golf and, and I guess kind of make a name for myself. That's not really why I did it. It just kind of came like everything, I guess, in my life, it just kind of came natural. People, Somebody asked me to do it. I did it. People thought it was funny. So I did some more and, and it kind of blew up, which was cool because um, I just got to say what I would have said if we played in a pro-am, you know, that that <laughs> that week. You know, I, I'm saying the same stuff. Uh, I try to treat everybody the same, uh, whether they're the CEO of a company or, or somebody who's just getting started in whatever they're doing. I try I try and, and talk to them with the same uh, the same type of attitude. And uh, that's seemed to have bode well for me throughout my life. And all of a sudden, Twitter gave me an avenue to do that uh, even more. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's a it's a fickle business that that Twitter, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, but again, for me, it's like, I don't I don't have a I don't have a lot of interest in talking about real life stuff on there. I uh, will with my friends and people that I trust uh, that we can have a, a, a healthy conversation about. But out there, I, I just want to be on, on, on the internet. I just try and keep things light and, and make people kind of chuckle or, or connect with people with in, in a, in a more, uh, in a more simple way, not so direct about things that could be touchy. Uh, that's not, it's not for me to try to change people's minds about things. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and it's not really, uh, healthy in my opinion, especially in what I'm doing. There's too many people out there, uh, you know, alongside this, like I said, when there's fans out there, there's, you just want to keep it light, make it fun. Um, give people something to, to laugh about and to connect about, especially in the game of golf. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing on a tour and you're in a, you're in the, the heat of it, is there any, 
you know, what kind of, you know, barring and, and, uh, jokes or or maybe even some trash talk is there stuff going on out there that maybe the fans aren't seeing yeah in the tournament rounds it's less of that i mean if i'm playing with like one of my best buddies out here lives down the street from me is joel damon and he's a very light-hearted fun guy and we've had some really fun rounds where somebody will hit a bad shot and you know I, the first time i met him i, I hit a, i did the dumbest thing ever and the next few holes i played well and every hole he kept saying you probably wish you didn't do that thing you did a couple holes ago and you know what was cool about that is i'm not sure that would have landed on everybody but i appreciated it um i like the light-hearted banter um sure. he obviously didn't mean any malice by it and i could sense that so you get some of that it just depends who you're with at other times like i'm quite quiet on the course if i don't know you very well because i don't you know I, i'm not sure what what that other player wants to talk about or if they want to talk at all so uh, i would say that the biggest misconception about professional golf is that we're out there talking trash the whole time in general we're just you know trying to do our own thing but in the practice rounds in the in the locker room in the clubhouse after there is a lot of a lot of you know fun talks some 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 trash talk i guess you could say uh, the most fun is when you finish a round you get with a bunch of the guys and talk about your round and you know typically people bring up a bad shot or a dumb thing that happened <laughs> especially if you get talking with the caddies the caddies know what all the the players did that was ridiculous and and, and typically stupid. So those are always the most fun times uh, to right. hear those stories and get it from from the the caddies, like I said, who didn't have to hit the shots, and they can just tell you straight up what the player did that was that was you know kind of kind of ridiculous and and uh, absurd and what they were thinking, and and that's when we always laugh the hardest. But there's some ribbing here and there, but. Overall, it's obviously it's our job. It's a pretty serious thing. If I'm going to make a bogey and someone's going to, if someone were to come up to me and talk trash about, you know, what I did wrong, I don't think that would land <laughs> quite well. But um, I mean, I'm always I'm always somewhat open for it. But I, I, I think it typically happens when you play alongside somebody who you're you're closer with. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you know, growing up, I'm sure you had people that you know you looked at and you you were inspired by their game. Is there has there been someone that really was you know you looked up to and was kind of you know influenced you of coming up in 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 the golf world and and is personally and professionally kind of who influenced you yeah I mean I think for most everybody my age Tiger Woods was the biggest inspiration as far as excellence um it was hard not to watch golf and not be inspired by that guy uh and to be able to play alongside him now is wild to me um his work ethic his dedication to getting better um it, it was always tremendous i mean kobe bryant for me is another athlete who i i still Absolutely. read about and, and think about all the time as far as uh, work ethic goes and, and inspiring me to just try to be the best i can be but i was fortunate enough i grew up in the same hometown as jason gore who also won on the pj yeah. tories had a great career he just retired a couple of years ago but he taught me more how to be uh like a pro like an adult uh make you know make sure that i'm making the right decisions we still talk quite often. Um, he always had a, a million dollar smile and people were always very attracted to, to him, um, his energy and, uh, getting to, getting to have a kind of a mentor like that. I call him, you know, he calls me little brother. I call him big brother. He's always been somebody I could bounce things off of or talk to, or even just kind of mimic how he goes about meeting, you know, new people and making sure that you're making a, a lasting impression on them in the right way. Uh, and again, that that's that goes to just a fortune that I was able to be around someone like that at a young, young age. So have you had a chance to uh, talk to Tiger or have a conversation with Tiger that kind of was a meaningful one that, 
you were able to share that he was an influence to you? Uh, no, not really. I think he knows, though. I think he could see it in my eyes how nervous <laughs> I am when I ever I talk to him. I've only talked to him a handful of times, but it was very cool. Uh, at After I won um, the next tournament we were both in, I was hitting balls on the range on Thursday morning at Memorial in uh, in Ohio. And I was hitting at the very end of the range, so my back was to everybody. And my caddy, Joe, said, hey, turn around, Max. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, turn around. And I turn around and Tiger's walking straight at me. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, what could this possibly be about? And he put his hand out, stuck his hand out and said, hey, congrats on winning the Wells Fargo. Like, that was awesome. And I shook his hand and said, thanks so much. You know, I I was I had to remember because my brain was mush. I had to remember (laughs) to say, you know, congrats on winning the Masters because he had won that most recently. Uh, Right. But I think he knows um, that that's what's been cool is I think. I think he's still got a, some gas left in the tank here, but I also think that he's been able to look around and appreciate how much all of us appreciate him and what he's done for not only the game, but for us individually. I don't think I'd be playing golf if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. Yeah, that's that's a major statement. And I'll tell you what he did for the game of golf uh, in, in total, man, I, I think is pretty amazing. Um, I think he gave it a huge shot in the arm and, and made a lot of people inspired to go play the game and, I think the game just keeps growing, and I think he's a big part of it. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, you said the Masters, and I'd love to hear some insight. I mean, you were on the bubble, you know, at your first Masters. Um, you know, how much does that fuel you? And uh, I know I'm sure you're working even harder, you know, this off season as you get ready for, for this year. I mean, uh, that's a huge, huge tournament, and I'm sure you're, you, you've got your eyes on it. Talk to us about the masters and, and, and how you look at that. Yeah. You know, it was really cool getting to experience it this year. Um, it was a shame. I, I, I didn't play better, but it's one of those things. I feel like every time you get somewhere in your life, uh, to, to a, uh, like, a, a you reach a goal in your life, you want more of it. And ever since playing in the masters, it's just now become my, you know, my main goal is to play in it every year. Cause it was, such a tremendous opportunity. It was incredibly exciting. It was, it was like young, young me was so uh, enamored by the event. And then to be standing inside the ropes, there was uh, a pinch me moment times a million. So uh, it's, uh, it's, again, it's inspiring to, to know that you can get there and, and then how much you want to get back. So it's, it's kind of the pinnacle of, of, all of professional golf, I think, is playing or winning the Masters, and you want more opportunities to put on a green jacket. Um, it is it's it's quite hard to live up to the hype of things. Um, that's something you've thought of when since I, I think the first Masters I can remember was '97 when Tiger won, and it's it's you know it's a lot of hype to think you know a couple of decades later uh, you're there and, and you've been building up in your head, but you show up and it's even better than you could imagine. Um, so it just, it makes me yearn to do it again. Uh, it makes me excited for the beginning of the season with some opportunities to win or to get inside the top 50 in the world to play in it this April. Um, and even if that doesn't happen, then, you know, looking forward to the next, you know, couple of decades of masters to play in. Um, it is, it is a one of a kind event uh, that gives you so much excitement and so many of like the feels that uh, your younger self wouldn't even believe that you could be doing that. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to explain. Um, you obviously didn't really 
you met a small major goal, but the, the major goal would be to win the thing. Um, so you need opportunities to do that. Um, but even just being there was, was a heck of a, a heck of a feeling, something that yeah, I don't think goes away. I asked Fred couples this year, if it ever stops getting exciting. And he said, it's always something special about Augusta national. That's awesome, man. I can't imagine. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to go uh, to the masters a few years back and uh, just, I can't tell people how beautiful yeah, <laughs> it is, but it's the most beautiful. It is the most beautiful. It's like an oasis. It's unbelievable. I mean, and the town it's in, nothing against all of you that live possibly <laughs> in Augusta, Georgia, but I, I, you would not expect it is all I would say. It looks like a mirage when you're driving down Washington <laughs> Avenue. Unbelievable. So, like, I mean, look, I know you won the 2019 Most Fargo, but, like, there's got to be a moment. Like, what's been the greatest memory so far for you, Max, on the golf course? What is it? What's it been? I know you uh, probably had many, but 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 if you pick, pluck one out here for me and tell us about it. Uh, walking down that 18th hole and at, at the Wells Fargo was was is definitely the one that sticks out the most. But in 2017, I really struggled and had one of the worst years I could imagine in golf. And uh, fast forward a year later, and um, I was on the web.com tour and I needed to, uh, uh, I basically was not playing great at our last event of the regular season. And I needed to finish with four birdies in a row to make the cut and give myself a chance to get wow. my card back through the playoffs. And <clears throat> I did, I birdied the last four got wow. through and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's something that uh, at the time got a decent amount of, uh, kind of publicity. I know my friends still, we still talk about it here and there, but it's not something I guess that would stick out to most people. Um, but that was the moment that I feel like turned everything around both mentally and physically. I started to believe in myself again. Um, I think it's, it's a very difficult game. Um, it'll put you through the ringer. And I was, I was in the thick of it, uh, for a while, just beating my head against the wall, trying to figure out how to get better and how to get myself out of the slump that I had, I'd put myself in and, um, getting through that. Uh, I, I can still remember sitting around cause we played in the morning and I wasn't, when I walked off the course, I was pretty obviously stoked that I had just done that, but I wasn't sure I made the cut and just sitting there with uh, my now wife, uh, sitting around at lunch, watching the scores come in, wondering if I was going to make the cut or not. My stomach was just in a knot. Uh, and you know, just those memories, even though they weren't the fondest looking back now, they obviously worked out, but that's the kind of stuff I think that builds character. And that's, that's whenever I think of anything, uh, like, thinking about Saturday driving Saturday to Wells Fargo when I was really nervous about to play with Rory. I remember telling myself that there's no way that Rory McIlroy has had a more nerve wracking experience than I had in, uh, in that tournament in Portland. There's just no way he had, you know, for, you know, good, good for him. He had never had to deal with losing his card or maybe having to get a job. Um, he was, he's always been great. I'm sure he's had moments that were, were nerve wracking, but, the consequences sure. I don't think were as high and I, I dealt with that really well. So it's stuff that I still, I still harken back on and think about and, and hang my hat on because I, I'm very proud of how I handled myself. I'm very proud to know that, you know, even in the toughest, darkest time, I was able to kind of overcome something that I don't think a ton of people uh, could have done. And um, I, I, I'm incredibly proud of, of, the, that year and, and those two years and then to go on and win and, and, and now feel like I'm more of a mainstay on the PJ tour has been cool, but I don't forget about that, that week. Definitely. That's awesome, man. What a that's crazy four in a row. The last four, and I know <laughs> yeah. it was in your mind. I know it was in oh, your yeah. mind what you had to do. Oh, 
That's awesome. That's crazy. So, like, when you look at 2021, uh, you know, what are you hearing from the PGA Tour? Is there going to be a little bit of fans? Are they are they starting to talk about at some level? Is there going to is it going to open up, or you're going to see a lot more of the same that we saw in 2020? Oh, we're going to see a lot of the same in the beginning. Uh, it does seem to be state to state, county to county. I know that they just adjusted the Palm Springs event, which will be my first event in two weeks. Um, it's typically a pro-am. They ended up taking the amateurs out to limit how many people are there. Um, there's no fans there. Um, but at the Waste Management in my hometown in Scottsdale, uh, Arizona, there will be a limited amount of fans. So I just think that it's a state-to-state type thing. It should look a little bit different than it did uh, last year, but uh, a lot more of the same for a while. Um, I think that uh, Commissioner Monaghan has been doing a great job uh, of, of kind of being flexible and, and kind of flying by the seat of his pants a little bit as, as no one knows what's, what's coming up and what's going to happen, but they're doing their best. Um, we're just kind of going where they tell us to go and doing what they tell us to do, but hopefully we get fans back sooner rather than later. Cause we do miss them. Um, it, like I said, it gives a ton of buzz to each event and it's, it's incredibly exciting to play in front of fans. Um, it just makes everything better. I was in the thick of it at, in uh, Minnesota and it just didn't feel like, a real PGA tour event just because there weren't people there. And uh, we miss that. Uh, but I can't, I can't say when it will get better um, and, and, or, or go back to normal. But um, like I said, hopefully, hopefully things get moving that direction. I feel like it is a little bit just hearing about how waste management will have some people out there. Um, but it just seems like it is uh, there's no real formula yet to, to when, uh, we will be full, full back, full go all the way, uh, you know, to, to normal quote unquote that we're used to. It's funny. You kind of teed me up on waste management because, uh, I do plan to be one of the few fans that are in attendance. Uh, of course I'll be rooting on you and, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be announcing, uh, a major deal that we just cut with the PGA tour globally. It's, uh, we are the official. PGA Tour licensee of all headphones and and speakers, and uh, it's a pretty big deal. It's exciting, and uh, you know we're gonna have our first products launching in the spring, uh, and it's uh, really really fun because you know we're getting a lot of interest from like the PGA Tour Superstore, the the you know the likes of Best Buy, the likes of TPCs, all the TPC buying group. So we're getting lots of interest out there and, and uh, carrying these products. And, you know, Max, me and you had a, a, a call, and uh, it, it's going to be great because you're going to really help me uh, talk about this partnership and these products. And you've got your hands on a few of them uh, that we're building today and uh, really happy we're going to be working together uh, with this partnership going with the PGA Tour globally. So I just want to thank you on this podcast for that. I'm excited to be at the waste management and to, to announce this partnership. Yeah, I'm excited too. I came home the other day and my wife was dancing around the house uh, <laughs> with your guys, uh, home speaker Blair. And it was very, very cool. It was fun. Obviously sounds great, but anything that puts a smile on her face, you know, it's, it's doing a good job. So it's exciting to hear that you guys are partnering with the PJ tour. I'm happy. I'm happy to, to be one of the, one of the people with some hands on the, on the technology. Cause it's been, it's been enjoyable. Um, it is uh, it is quite the quite the product uh, or products, and uh, like I said, uh, it's fun coming home to your house when your when your wife is dancing around all happy because music music's coming in nice and clear and fun and loud. Uh, it's a it's a good environment at home. 
That's great, man. That, that puts a huge smile on my face. I'm sure a lot of people listening. And, you know, as we, as we wrap up here, Max, the, the kind of the last thing I ask is, is we, we like to do a, a charity shout out and, uh, you know, with, with all the listeners that we have here, if, if, uh, you know, they have the ability and willing to give, uh, what charity would you like to give a shout out for Max and, uh, where can we send, uh, money or whatever, uh, possible to this charity? Yeah, I mean, the Alzheimer's Association has a special place in my heart. Uh, my best man at my wedding, uh, his his mom is is going through it right now. It's not been great. Getting to learn a little bit more about how devastating a disease it is has been uh, eye opening. Um, it's not it's not fun, not only for for her but the whole family. Um, I've I've been trying to do my best to associate myself with them, um, knowing knowing the good that they they're doing to try and combat. Uh, such an awful thing that is very prevalent uh, across the world. So, um, you know, people, people want to, or they can follow along. I, I try to do a, a birdie, a birdie uh, donation each year at a tournament or two. Um, but it's a, it's an important thing to me. Um, you know, like I said, learning so much more about it, uh, you realize just how devastating it can be and, and how widespread it is. And it's a, it's a shame. So many families have to go through it, but um, hopefully there's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel at some point with that. What a great thing to, to give to, and and hopefully they're they're uh, they're able to help uh, with the Alzheimer's and and uh, follow Max Homa on his podcast, follow Max Homa on the PGA Tour, and thank you Max for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. I would like to thank my whole team: Matt Summers, Ashley Cartwright, Andrew Griswold, Jill Eskel, Brittany Kelly, all of you. I appreciate all your help with this. Uh, You can check out all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, the Apple Store, and anywhere quality podcasts are found. Max, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tommy. It's good to be on. You've been listening to Closers Over Coffee with Tommy Jacobs.